Filmmaker Mighty Alberti set out to make a film noir about detectives. But along the way, it turned into a documentary comedy about senior citizens. It's called The Mole Agent. I'm Tom Powers, and this is Pure Nonfiction. Mighty Alberti is based in Santiago, Chile. Six years ago, she directed a documentary called Tea Time, as in sipping tea, that was beloved at film festivals. Tea Time is about a group of older ladies in Chile who have gathered once a month to share tea, desserts, and gossip for the past 60 years. It won multiple prizes for its charm and humor. Mighty followed that up with a documentary called Grown Ups, about a group of adults with Down syndrome striving to take on more responsibility as they enter middle age. For her new film, she had a different plan in mind. She wanted to explore her curiosity about detectives. She met Detective Romolo, whose office looks like that of a private investigator from the movies, complete with Venetian blinds. In The Mole Agent, Detective Romolo has a client, a woman who wants to investigate the nursing home where her mother lives. The client fears the nursing home is treating the residents poorly. She wants someone to spy from the inside. Detective Romolo needs a mole to go undercover, so he places a newspaper ad seeking someone between the age of 80 and 90. He gets a deluge of applicants because no one else is hiring in that age group. And so begins a film that seeks to shine a light on a generation we often neglect. The candidate who wins the job is Sergio in his mid-80s. His wife recently passed away, and he hopes this job can help take his mind off his loss. One challenge is that Sergio isn't really cut out to be a spy. Detective Romulo has to teach Sergio how to use gadgets like hidden cameras and even basic technology like an iPhone. Mighty got permission to film inside the nursing home, but under slightly false pretenses. She told them that she wanted to follow the experience of a new resident. What the people of the nursing home didn't know is that the new resident would be an undercover agent. film blends comedy and poignancy. Sergio's arrival at the home creates a frisson of excitement for the women residents who are impressed by his good manners and dapper appearance. Mighty's films look more like fiction than a typical documentary. Her shots are carefully composed, locked down on a tripod rather than handheld, and with a vibrant color palette. You might wonder how much of this is set up she answers that question in our conversation. The Mole Agent gained the support of the New York production company Motto Pictures that works with leading directors such as Steve James, Roger Ross Williams, and Morgan Neville. The film had a world premiere at Sundance in January. Then, like so many films this year, it lost screening opportunities due to COVID-19. I was supposed to host a screening at the Miami Film Festival on March 12th. But that very day, the festival came to a shortened end. Instead, Mighty and I went out for a dinner on Miami Beach. That's the last time I was in a restaurant. 
Now the Mole Agent is available for rent on Apple iTunes. It will eventually come to public television on the POV series. I reached Maiti by Zoom at her office in Santiago, Chile. I started by asking why this older generation has been a recurring focus in her films. I don't know if it's the generation or the way that I can shoot that generation that it's comfortable for my style. I, I have the doubt. Uh, because in the character of Tea Times always says that between a baby of uh, months and between a baby of one year, you can see a lot of change. And they say that between an old woman in 80 years and 81, you can see the same change. So it's an age that you can see changes in action and you can shoot process that uh, have developing. And as I never make interviews and I follow realities, I can really uh, shoot a structure and I can really shoot life in a period, not short, but uh, in years. And I don't need uh, 10 years to see changes. It's interesting for me that I try to catch the present uh, shooting and it's an age that allows me that. Maybe if I do films with children, I will uh, live the same, but it's more complicated, I think. That's so interesting that you say that because I think sometimes we think of old people as not changing, as being coming, you know, more ingrained in uh, in their ways and, you know, stubborn and resistant to change. So when you say that, you know, a person who's 80 in their 80s goes through a lot of change in a year, can you elaborate what you mean by that? Yeah, I think that maybe in the routine, you don't have so much change that it's, uh, comfortable for me to shoot because I learned the routines and I know what to shoot but they are living a lot of processing when you're they're lose friends for example that it's constantly uh, they at least in Chile they are always trying to deal with the loneliness that they feel of their um, families uh, the body not always help you. So they usually start to have uh, issues being dependent or or in the other hand, I don't know, in the beginning of the of the mole agent, it's a generation that uh, they wanted to work, but it's super difficult for them to find a job at his 85. Uh, I think that uh, they are trying to be uh, integrated and they are trying to live the usual life but they not always can do it so they face conflict every day uh, with the society or with their own bodies or with the relationship with the families like uh, yeah they have to deal with different situations and for me it's super important that i realize that making also the grown-ups and and well tea time and the mole agent that you cannot i cannot make a speech about old people like I cannot say like old people it's like something uh, because I don't see a stereotype like in the same film you see people that want to work people that are losing memory people that feel lonely people that feel really well as the as the um, or very independent as the main character but I cannot make a unique uh, uh, 
yeah, unique sentence about old aging. And it's, it was the same for me with the grown up. I cannot say how the Down syndrome people is, like each person is a world. So I think that I can continue making films about old age because there are a lot of different lives uh, at that age, yeah. Um, let me ask you specifically about the mole agent. Um, how did you arrive at this idea to uh, film th this secret agent infiltrating this nursing home? Yeah, it was completely a different starting point. Uh, I was obsessed of make a documentary about a private detective because I really love fiction films about private detective. And I asked myself, well, uh, what if we do a film noir in documentary? And I started researching all the ex-Chilean FBI that are retired and make their own companies. So I interviewed like 20 uh, retired FBI uh, that were working by their own. And then I met Romulo, the main character. And in the research, I worked with him as his assistant for a couple of months. And I see a lot of clients, I see a lot of cases, and he usually work with moles in weird cases, like parents that want to follow their children, they, teenagers more than children. Uh, companies, universities that are following <laughs> teachers, like very strange cases that I really feel that the people can resolve by their own, but they hire the mole agents. And I, I work with the clients and the cases. At, and at the beginning, I thought, okay, I want to make a, a series with each uh, chat, uh, episode with different moles. But it was so complicated to do it. Like only them, only this film take us four years. Like to plan how to infiltrate, how can we enter? How can... so it was like okay, this is impossible for a series. And of course, that the case that he usually work in retirement homes for me was more near of the topics of my interest. So it was a weird thing. Like I started with this idea of make a detective film, and at the end, I yeah. I go to tea time again. It's like I started <laughs> as a film noir and I went to a observational documentary that I usually do. Uh, and I feel in the aesthetic, the film is the same. It started complete in a film noir and it ends uh, full of color. So you're at this detective agency. Uh, you, I take it you find out that the, the, they're going to be investigating this nursing home and is is that when your project got started like once per year they receive a case of retirement homes so when i say to them like okay when a new client arrive i i really want to do this so when a new client arrive we uh we say okay this is um he and we make the teaser for example with in another case so we we make a rehearsal um but when we were going to start shooting like one month before his mole broke his hip so because he usually worked with an old mom uh, so that's why he put that in the newspaper and the new moles arrived and for me it was perfect i i i like his uh 
previous model because he was very professional, but we didn't expect to have the training because he already knew how to do it. So that was also a new part of the film. And for us, it was like nobody is going to buy the newspaper, like trying to find a job at the 80 years, at your 80s. And it was like, I don't know, 50 people or more called and arrived to the interview. And it was like, I cannot believe this. And that was how Sergio appears. That for us was like, I really see him and I got in love. It was like super charming, but was not the perfect candidate for Romulo. So for me, it was like, I tried to convince him that he was good <laughs> for me. <laughs> and I know that he was the worst spy in the world. I love it. Romulo don't love it. <laughs> uh, well, it makes uh, for a, a good uh, film dynamic. Um, and so you, we kind of get in the film that you had simultaneously contacted the nursing home uh, and described yourself as wanting to make a film inside a nursing home about a new uh, a person who's going to come in. Um, they didn't know that you knew the new person that was going to come in would be the mole agent. Yeah, it was that tea time helped me a lot for that because uh, tea time was well known in Chile, so they knew the film. And when we arrived, we say, okay, we can make like a film about the old age. We we did tea time, and we want to shoot everything that happened here, the good things and the bad things. Uh, and if someone new arrived, we want to focus uh, on him or her, whatever. And they allow us, we speak with all the people that work there, they're signing the contract, but of course that we make a big little lie that we never say that the new one is going to be a mole. And so we enter before him, uh, like one, three weeks, uh, a little more. So when he enter, we act as uh, we didn't know each other. Um, yeah, and it was like, my most risky audience or I was really afraid to show to them like uh, it was my 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 big big risk and I I knew I I have a stomach pain all the time until I sh I show the film to them and and I knew that I can I couldn't shoot it, show to them when I, or I could not say the truth after shooting, I have to show the film to them and say the truth. So a lot of time passes after I say the truth, like one year after shooting, because even if I say it after shooting, they were not going to be calm. So when I really realized that it was a good place, I started to have the pain in my stomach. Not before, because before I didn't know if they really uh, commit crimes or, or it was a good or a bad place. So. Uh, when I realized it was a good place, it was like, okay, what I'm doing? Um, and then when we finished, the first person that we showed the film was to the owners and the director of the retirement home. And before to show to them, I say, okay, I lied to you and I want to tell you the film before that you see it. And we say like, okay, I put a mold, Sergio was a private detective. And they really cannot believe it. And it was like, yeah, but you never suspect about Romulo that it was a little bit weird. No, never, nothing. But they love the film and they say, okay, this is our reality and it's really how it's work. And 
yeah, that was a big uh, relief for us. But it was a risky film all the time to do it, like for that lie. And at the same time, because every day it was like, it, he's going to be discovered. Like the first day he was like using the phone with uh, open, I, I don't know how to say in English, with open voice, like uh, he was a Like speaking. a speakerphone. Yeah, yeah speakerphone, it was like, what is he doing? Uh, <laughs> so it like each day was like a painful, uh, risky day, and we never knew if we have a film until until the end. Yeah, that you know you think of uh, filmmakers taking risks, uh, you know, going to some re remote location, and uh, but. Uh, this you really could have gone far into this project and spent a lot of resources and then had it blow up in your face if uh, Sergio had decided to quit or got kicked out of the nursing home or some discovery was made. Yeah, exactly. It was like, yeah, it's not a light risk, of course, as other filmmakers, but it was like a ethical risk all the time and a... Yeah, not secure film neither to sale. Like I was not securing which point I can offer this film to co-producers or uh, channels until I really I'm sure that I have material and that was very late in the in the shooting process. Like to know that he's not quitting, he's not discover, uh, and also was very difficult for me like to realize that in some point it was not my detective film noir that was something that I start to discover like during the shooting and during the editing because for example I re I shoot all the client I have the material of the client I have all the details of the case the problems that the client have with their families I shoot it and I have it and I edited at the beginning and it was like mm, I don't they give me like a rational structure to go and advance the narrative, but it was not emotional. It was completely like more information, but my heart was not in the information, what was in the travel of Sergio, but was super complicated for me as a filmmaker, like to quit of my narrative detective idea and to develop to um, character driven, maybe, uh, emotional travel and I I quit the the case also. It's so interesting to hear that as an outsider because the mole agent has a sense of whimsy and humor that is similar to tea time. So it's it's surprising for me to hear that you went into this project thinking that it was gonna have an entirely different kind of tone. Yeah, it was like I I for me, it was an experiment of a narrative police detective structure and that was I wanted to make. It was not... I think the tone is the same as Tea Time because I cannot shoot without humor. Uh, for me, humor is super important in documentaries like to connect with the reality. And in that case, I always thought that the mall have humor because of the contrast. It was like a old man that wants to be a detective, like that has humor. A uh, place that suppose that has a crime, that it's a retirement home, but really not. So th that idea of the worst spy in the world uh, started with a 
a premise or a, or a humor starting point that I knew that was going to have humor. Um, but yeah, maybe I was planning a more narrative classical structure than the one that I had. Uh, let me ask you about your you know, appetite to put humor into documentaries. Documentary film as a genre uh, is very susceptible to being overly earnest, um, you know, can be very serious, can be downright uh, depressing uh, sometimes. Um, and I wonder, you know, as you developed your career, um, you know, how you came to focus on the uh, on your your style and your tone i realized it in some way two things like in documentary in general the humor it's more allows to document to performance documentary when the director is a character of the film usually like berliner she's referring to alan berliner who's directed first person films like wide awake about his insomnia or Michael Moore, like when the people are allowed to laugh about their self, like more a performance. I don't know. I can think in wide awake, like he's allowed to say, okay, that's, these are my problems to sleep and I can do my performance and laugh about myself or yeah, a lot of cases that, uh, yeah, I'm not going to move to another extreme, like supersize me. He can do, it's like, okay, it's a political documentary, but it's funny because he's using his own body and you can laugh about that. But you cannot do that with a character that it's not yourself. But at the same time, I really feel like in the reality that I'm observing or the realities that I usually choose to shoot, I have good time in the day-by-day situations. Like... The other day, the sound man that worked with me in all the films, and he, he saw the Mulligan for the first time, and he told me, I cannot believe that I cry all the film because in my memory, it was like a, a comedy all the time because I, I spent all the day laughing with the characters and having a super good time. And in our memories, all the time that we were shooting tea time or the grown-ups or the mall we are we were enjoying the life with the characters so i usually as i shoot for many years uh, the films i usually choose characters that i really want to share a lot of time with them and that usually implies that i laugh with them and i'm not living a drama all day because i cannot live I don't want to leave that. Even if the structure or when time passes is a drama, the day by day we really enjoy to be with, with characters. So we choose people that we want to uh, share life in some way. So And that for me, that connection, it with laugh and it with humor. Or I can, it's like when you get in love, I cannot get in love with someone that don't make me laugh. It's, it's the same for me with the characters. I choose characters that make me laugh. So even if the big structure is a drama, your day by day is funny and you can have both in life. Like, okay, uh, I can be living a very hard moment in the life, but I can laugh during the day anyway. So the life is not black and white. And I feel that if I'm shooting present, I need that. And, And humor is a good way to connect with audience also. Like when I'm 
when I'm showing the films, I always ask, do the people laugh in the theaters? Like, that is my question about if the film is working. It's not if the people cry. It was like, they laugh, and in which part do they laugh? It's, it's super important for me as a director because, like, I take the hands, they laugh all together, and then you can move them to the drama. Uh, yeah, life is that, I think, for me. Some people watch this film and think that it's almost fiction, that, you know, so much of it uh, is staged. And I think a lot of what you've said so far, you know, clears up the degree to which you were really following some, you were setting some wheels in motion, but following what happened uh, as it went along. Um, I wonder if there's anything else that you can, you know, say to someone who watches this film and says, oh, this is all set up. <laughs> yeah, for me, documentaries are a fiction that are constructed by reality. In like when I decide where to put the camera, and, and there is a point of view that, of course, that I construct in uh, fiction. But <laughs> as someone told me the other day, it's one hundred percent reality and one hundred percent fiction. Yeah, it's like it's all what is happening. It's real, but I really work in how to stylize or to put a style in reality to make you feel as an audience that you are inside the film. So I try to imitate all the classical uh, fiction things like the, I, I don't know how to say in English. She means to say a reverse angle. One example in The Mole Agent, we see Detective Romolo facing Sergio as he explains how to use a cell phone. The shot sequence moves from Romolo's face to Sergio's like you'd see in a fiction film. Yes, I have one camera, but I have two shots. Uh, that is because, like, my characters repeat the things a lot of, like, when he's training Sergio, Sergio, like, takes six hours and learn how to use the cell phone. So I have time to move with the camera, and I'm really conscious that in the editing, I want to put all my alternatives or... We really uh, studied which lenses were used in the film noir and we work with that lenses, we work with that kind of lights uh, and we usually spend a lot of time shooting. Like uh, I always say, I'm like an actor that they pay me, the producers pay me for weight. Like I, I, there are some days that I never, I press wreck. And some days of my shooting days, I, I don't have material. It's because we were waiting with the camera in the perfect shoot that we think that it's a perfect shoot until the things that we are waiting happen in front of the camera. And that ta takes a lot of time and are like 150 days of shootings that it's a lot. Uh, only like be waiting and prepare the camera for the things that we are expecting to happen. Of course, that reality surprised you, but we are not like following characters with the camera shooting. Uh, indeed, we never use hand camera because we cannot wait with the heavy camera like uh, in movement. And we have been working for 10 years, the same crew together or more, and we already knew how to move. And we spend a lot of the, the camera a man the other day told me, like, uh, we spend a lot of time before to start shooting, learning how each character of the film moves 
and how it's that work before to start shooting. So it's not only a content research, it's also like we learn together how to, how to sh shoot its world. In the eight months since the film premiered at Sundance, a lot has changed in the world. Nursing homes have been especially hard hit by COVID-19. I asked Mighty if that's changed how she thinks about the film. Yeah, it's a completely different uh, lecture for me before the COVID and after the COVID of the film was like when you, you didn't, or I was trying to make the people conscious about the topic and the films go out in a moment that the people is really conscious about it. So the, the film, it's called like more uh, deep on the people that 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 I feel that in Sundance uh, I see both things that people that was not thinking about it and start to thinking with the film and people that was connected because they have a family or someone in a retirement home that go very hard for them but now I when I sh when we show it I feel it go hard to everybody because after the COVID the people it's asking the question about their parents and the distance and and how to connect with them. Mighty recalls a scene in The Mole Agent where Sergio is trying to cheer up a resident whose family hasn't visited for many months. Sergio asks Detective Romulo to find photos of the family that he shares in printed out copies with the lonely resident. And Romulo, uh, when we were in that, uh, he said to Sergio, like, I can bring you an iPad and I can uh, teach you how to use Facebook and you can show to everybody here by Facebook like um, their families. And Sergio was like, I cannot learn a new app. And I also take to say to Romu, like it's too fake, like how the people, it's going to be by Facebook connected inside a retirement home. And today the retirement home, it's like have a computer and they are by Zoom, like that retirement home connecting people with their families. And it was like, that was uh, unbelievable for me two years ago. And now they are seeing more their families than before because their family are conscious and are, and are not conscious for the film, are conscious about by COVID and they're calling their parents by Zoom. And a lot of people that not appears for five years appears now to speak with their parents. So uh, let's say thanks to COVID for that because the people really started uh, to ask uh, that issue, yeah. I want to thank my TL Birdie for speaking with me. Her new film, The Mole Agent, is now available for rent on Apple iTunes. See our show notes for details. Thanks to our team, series producer, Hannah Norton-Swan, and web designer, Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams, and our executive producer is Rafael Anehausen. I'm Tom Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at T-H-O-M Powers. You can read our show notes and sign up for our newsletter at purenonfiction.net.